You're listening to the Naptime Empires podcast with my mom, Nikki Ellidge Brown. Mom, your show's on. Thanks, bud. I got it from here. Welcome to the Naptime Empires podcast, refreshingly honest conversations on the realities of parenthood and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Nikki Ellidge Brown. Let's get started. There are so many amazing, insightful, valuable, and refreshingly honest, of course, conversations in store for season two, but I couldn't think of one better to kick us off than this one with my new friend tour, Nicole Walters. If you haven't met her yet, she's an income strategist who teaches people how to turn their passions into profits with her online training programs like 1K One Day. Years ago, she quit her six-figure corporate job while live streaming on Periscope in front of 10,000 people, as you do. Within six months, she had built her own million-dollar business, helping everyday entrepreneurs embrace the monetize thyself mindset. And what I love about her teaching is that she's applying those corporate strategies that she used to help one of those businesses go from $2 million to $200 million, but she's helping us apply those in our small businesses and it's just really insightful. I love how she talks about business. It makes it feel so like, oh, right. Duh, of course, that's what we should do. So we actually, today was our first time talking in real time because I just met and fell in Facebook love with her a few weeks ago. You may have actually seen or watched one of her videos without realizing it because she's now had two videos go insanely viral within a few weeks of each other. That's how she came into my world because my buddy Ari, what, what? Shout out to you, Ari. Shared one of Nicole's videos, the one where she's talking about the bus stop. I'll link to that in the show notes, which is naptimeempires.com slash 032. And then I went down the rabbit hole and I was watching her videos for like 30 minutes. And then I felt literally compelled to send her a Facebook audio note to profess my love and invite her to share her story and her genius with us here. Lucky for us, she said yes. Because I really can't think of a better guest to kick us off for season two. If you're new and you're just finding me, hi, I'm Nikki. This is Naptime Empires. I'm glad you're here. And I get it. If you already know and love Nicole, then of course you want to listen to whatever you can of her sharing her story and her wisdom. So in this conversation, we cover all kinds of things, right? That's Naptime Empires life. We talk about the backwards focus that many of us have when we're starting businesses online and how you can flip that when you actually put on the corporate perspective, which I think is interesting because a lot of people are like, eh, corporate. And so she takes the best, most valuable pieces learned from her corporate experience to help streamline online business. Those key corporate mindset shifts for everyday entrepreneurs, how she and her husband adopted their three daughters who are now six, 15 and 18 what being a family first entrepreneur looks like for her. I love how she described that, what it's really like to go viral and how she handled the critics. I was very curious about that since so many of us have stuff around visibility and what if somebody says something ugly and all that. So we dig into that. We talk about the power of showing up consistently and why live stream is her channel of choice, 
how hiring a house manager has changed the game for her family and the details of that and how their house manager helps them. And then also the value in having a designated head of operations in your business, which is something that I've been talking about a lot with my friends lately. So again, there's so much goodness in this conversation. It's easy listening. We go, obviously you can see this cause you're listening to this somewhere that there's like a timer. We go for almost an hour but it's also good. So just buckle up, whether you're taking a walk, doing laundry, carpooling, whatever it is. Thanks for spending time with us today. And I hope you enjoy. All right, Nicole, let's set the scene because I think it's really fantastic that we're both actually in bedrooms. <laughs> it's like we're having oh, a right. party for our first chat. And in pajamas and in the middle of the day because productive. <laughs> hey, jammies. I'm really so excited to get to connect with you. Normally, like in the first season, this is the season opener in terms of guests for season two. And in the first season, it was all my buddies that I already knew. But you my lady, I actually sought you out because my friend Ari had shared one of your, one of your, because you have multiple viral videos. That was so hilarious about the bus stop. So we're going to link to that. But in the meantime, for those who haven't met you yet, I've shared your bio a little bit. Can you just kind of set the stage for us and tell us about what your family and business life situation looks like over there? And that'll just kind of frame up our conversation and where we're going to go today. Sure, sure. So where they are similar is that they are both functional hot messes. <laughs> I'm barely keeping it together at any given time. I'm constantly screaming either at my children or at my students, you know, why does why doesn't anyone listen to me? <laughs> No, it's great because I'm a mom of three and I've been married for just under 10 years and I adopted my three girls. So they are ages six, 15 and 18 and all sisters. And I've been a mom for three and a half years. And I realized also again that three years, you know, could be 30 years and you just only know more about what you don't know. You know? So there's that part of parenting. And I've also had a business for a full-time entrepreneurial business for the same amount of time. So I'm going into my fourth year. I was a blogger part-time for five years and I ran that much like a full-time job, but it wasn't, you know, everything's different when you have a nine to five paycheck still coming in. So when you're doing it on your own, it, it has totally different vibes. So I have a consulting firm at NicoleWalters.tv where I help everyday entrepreneurs apply corporate strategies in order to build their business a profitable, not just popular way. There's so many things I want to ask you about. So I'm just trying to decide where do I actually want to start? Okay. I want to start. Okay. Let's start career wise because you're teaching, you know, everyday entrepreneurs, corporate strategies, meaning you've been successful in the corporate realm as well. So can you tell me more about your background with that? Like what are those corporate strategies that you honed before you started your business that now you're helping entrepreneurs implement in their own businesses? Sure, absolutely. So there's this weird, funky thing that happens when people get into online business. They treat it like the way they want to live and not the way that a business works in sort of the commerce ecosystem. So I'll explain what that means. So we get into it. We say, okay, well, we're opening up a business. I got to get really good at social media. I got to have a ton of followers. I need to, you know, the key is focusing a hundred percent on marketing, getting all the people there and then everything else will happen afterwards. Right. We, we get the audience that we sell to them. And this is actually backwards from conventional business. You need to have a product first and make sure that you can operationally offer it to people. And then you kind of go, out chasing your market, you know, by having your sales team or what have you. And that's how you get out there. So 
I noticed that, you know, in sort of the recent like wild, wild west surge of online businesses that a lot of businesses were saying that they, you know, were out there with these great sites and they kind of felt like they were talking into a black hole and things just weren't happening. And if they didn't pour more money into Facebook ads, they just weren't seeing profitability. And it was because a lot of people had gaps in their business that they didn't realize. They didn't have a payment processor. They didn't have a way people would go to your website, learn tons about you, engage in your offering and read about you and love what you have, watch videos, but then you would have nothing to sell them on that page. Just like really simple sort of, if you've been in corporate gaps, you know, that, you know, if you are a newbie, you may not have realized that you didn't, you didn't have that. So coming from corporate, I'm able to look at an everyday entrepreneur like they're a PepsiCo and like they're a massive corporation. And the same way that I, you know, worked in product and sales development for a multi-billion dollar corporation, I took them from two million to 200 million. So it's very easy to work with an everyday person and say, hey, you just need to tweak this, add this, you know, and build this structure and the money starts rolling in. I love that. It's relevant even to my own story. When I first started out, I did some free sessions first. So I was like, I know I can help my students with more effective communication, but can I help like humans out in the world? Right. From the very first call, she was like, okay, cool. So how do I pay you, you know, for a next step? Right. Ooh. That's a good question. I need to think for that, you know? And it's and you know what? You're completely right that one of the first things I always recommend is consulting, just because consulting allows you to get a good sense of what people want from you, what sort of steps and process they're looking for. There's nothing wrong with that information gathering, but after you get that piece, then you're going to the drawing board and starting to say, okay, what products would suit these people? And let me research a little bit about price points and figure out, you know, how much above this do I need to charge so I can grow? So many entrepreneurs will price their products in a way where it'll be sustainable so that they can make money to stay alive, but not make money to grow. So, I mean, these are some of the things that an outside opinion from a professional corporate consultant can really tighten up your business on. And it doesn't have to cost you a bajillion dollars. I love that aspect too of your message with it not actually needing to cost a bajillion dollars because I feel like that's also just a trend and it makes sense what you're saying, but it's like, okay, so if everyone's charging what they're worth, well, humans are priceless. So that's tricky. Um, And there's more to it than that. And then also, yeah, people see a shiny social media presence or one viral video and they do feel like, well, I I have to have a viral video in Uh order to be able to have a business or be successful online. And it's so not the case. And it's refreshing to hear the way you talk about it in just such a practical way, it just makes me feel like cozy and safe. <laughs> like, oh, that's good. It's that's okay. awesome. No, it's, it's so okay. I, always, I always try to tell people that I'm, you know, who doesn't love a great Louis Vuitton bag and who doesn't right. love fancy things, but real life Target is what's sustainable. You know, mm-hmm. how many Louis Vuitton bags do people buy? They buy several bags from Target, probably one every season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's one of the things that I try to think of myself and my business as, you know, I'm the Target. You go in there, everything looks like Crate and Barrel, but, and it's great quality like Crate and Barrel, but you didn't pay Crate and Barrel prices and you feel good about it when you're done and you'll come back later because I didn't bleed your bank account dry, you know? So I'm able to help you through each stage of your life. And once in a while, you might plug it in with a few fancy items and premium products, but in order to really keep your business sustainable and last a long time, you're shopping at Target for the basics. And that's what's exciting is you don't have to spend a ton of money in order to get ahead and feel good about it. That's so good. And I'm curious, what was it that sparked you from... Corporate, because I also know just from the basic, the day that I, I saw the video and then I went down the rabbit hole and Google stalked you or Facebook stalked you for like 30 minutes, <laughs> I saw enough to see that you had actually quit your job while you were on like a live stream on Periscope. So tell me more about that. And what was it that helped you? Because I know that 
people listening may actually still be in their corporate jobs and they're just wondering, how do I know? When do I go for it? So what did that look like for you? Sure. So first things first, it wasn't a situation where I was like, you know what, forget this. I'm out. Like this wasn't like jumping out of the plane. You know, I'm totally done. Like I planned for years. So I'd been running my blog for five years on the side. So I had a really great sense of kind of how the online e-commerce thing was working. And I was able to watch things from the outside and interact with people and monetize my own blog so that that was profitable. So I had a great sense of how this whole thing worked. And then I'd also been, you know, saving up a little bit here and there but obviously there's no magic number savings wise that suddenly means it's going to work out. It came to the point where I finally said, you know what? I have this six figure job. It's feeding my family, but you know, it's not feeding my soul. I just cannot continue to do this every day and invest hours every day building someone else's dream, some other company's dream and never, ever take a chance on myself. I deserve to take a chance on myself. My family deserves to see me do this as well. So I said, I'm going to just start testing it. And I took on just a couple of clients on the side. I stretched myself. Anybody who says that it's suddenly magically easier is just not true. There were a couple of really tough weeks in there for, I think it was three weeks where I was doing two jobs. And you know, and when I did that, I came out and I earned $11,000 in my own business on the side. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point where I said, okay, this is viable. So all this time I was documenting it on Periscope. I was going on and I was sharing and it was also a means for me to collect new clients and just kind of test the waters of, you know, what it would look like to create content, but also bring people in. And people finally, I finally got to the point where I was like, I'm going to quit. I'm pretty sure this, I'm going to quit and I'm going to do this. And everyone called me out. I wasn't planning on doing it live. They called me out and they said, Hey, we've been here the whole time. You are not about to hang up on us now. <laughs> you know, we want to see this whole thing. And before I knew it, 10,000 people were watching me live as I called my boss. And I said, you know, I'm out of here. You know, I think at one point I said, my brain is dying. <laughs> because <laughs> I was just rambling. I just like, was, I just like, I didn't know what to do. I was like, my brain is dying and I can't do this anymore. And he took it really well. He was really awesome. My boss was like, and he's a great guy, which is why that didn't surprise me at all. But he was like, yeah, you know, if you're making money and you're doing something that you love, why are you still here? Hmm. And I just burst into tears because I was like, it's so simple and you're so right. <laughs> yeah. And that was it. That was my last day. And that was a couple years ago and I'm still here. I also quit one of my jobs in a very polite way, although I stayed with it because he was like, well, but I don't want you to leave. But I'm like, there's an art to quitting in a way that really preserves the relationship because <laughs> sure, sure. you're, you're, my brain is dying. My line was, I'd rather make no money than continue you know, making money doing that. <laughs> Which is huge, but it's also like for me, I was like, you know, and I don't know if this is just who I am, but like I was like scorched earth, burnt bridges, all the way done. Like I'm out of here because I'm never turning back. You know, like if I can't make this work, like it's whatever. But the truth is you can always get another corporate job. So people who are listening who are in their job, like I'm certain the job they're in isn't their first job that they've ever had. And I'm also pretty confident they can get another job similar to the one that they have. Mm -hmm. You know, don't you deserve to get, take a shot on your Self, you probably do. Yeah. Yep. So true. All right. So I'm curious now. You built a bit, well, you started this kind of all at once because, and I'm curious about because I have friends who their adoption process took, you know, eight years. And so I'm also just curious for your story and how your family came together. How was that running in parallel with starting your business as you were adopting your girls right at the same time, right? Yeah, yeah. So our relationship is unconventional. So there was a, la a lady in our neighborhood, an older lady who was the 
biological mother of our girls. And her situation was one where she had a lot of challenges, both financially, addiction wise and legally. And it looked like she wasn't going to be able to keep custody of the girls. And we stepped in there and we said, well, you know, we'd be happy to support you in the short term to see, you know, while you kind of sort things out. And after a year, it just became readily apparent that we were a far more stable household and they certainly became our daughters by that point. So we ended up with kids. (laughs) So that's how I became a mom. (laughs) It wasn't quite a regular standard adoption process, but, you know, once we ended up having three girls, you know, in every single stage of education. So when I got my first daughter, I mean, I wanted to be home all the time because my six-year-old just turned four at the time. And, you know, you don't have traditional daycare. Like I needed to be with her, you know? So I realized this corporate six figure thing wasn't quite working because I was traveling to meet clients all the time and I was always gone. And I was like, I can't just put her in daycare because she's only been with us for, at that point it was like six months and then it was a year. And I was like, I need to be here. She's my new daughter. You know, Mm -hmm. she needs to get used to me. I can't just, you know, take custody of her and then put her into daycare. That's weird, you know? So I was like, I got to be home more. And that means I need to figure out what I'm going to do. And then the pressure was on to have an instant family. I knew that both of my daughters within the next five years, my older ones, my 15 year old and 18 year old would be in college. So I was like, I don't have a college savings plan because I didn't think I would have college kids at the age of, at the time, 28, you know, so I was like, I got to figure this out. So I need to be able to make money. And I'm a woman of faith. So for me, I always knew that God would provide one way or another and that I just needed to sort of be obedient, answer his calling and use the gifts that I have to serve others. So that was really what happened simultaneously. It was, you know, I need to be able to figure out a way to make this happen, but I also need to make sure I have the time to be with my new family so that we can bond and be close and so that I could serve all their needs that they had as they were coming into their first stable situation in their entire life. So the pressure was on and and I had to rise to the occasion. Boom. As you do. As I did. (laughs) That's what entrepreneurship is. If you can mom, you can entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I have to write that down. We're going to put that one on the show notes. If you can (laughs) entrepreneur. Okay. So what I want to dig into, well, also just side note in the show notes, which there'll be naptimeempires.com slash zero three two. We'll link to obviously all of Nicole's goodness, her website her 1K one day program, which currently, if you're listening to this in real time, is open for just one more day. So check that out. But then also both the viral videos, because the first viral video I saw of you before I had actually clicked it was actually when your oldest daughter had, you know, spent her weekend at college and she wasn't responding to y'all's texts and you're right. I was so dramatic. Like, and it's funny because like mixed reviews, like I had never realized this, but when you go viral, you it's so different from only speaking to your community, right? Because your community is like, we know you, we totally get like when you're being dramatic or when you're not being dramatic and we know your journey of your kids and yada, yada. But like, it goes viral and people are like, oh my gosh, you're crazy. Like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, no, I'm not a crazy mom. You don't understand. Like my daughter, you know, we just adopted her. I have to go check on her, like that sort of thing, you know? And like, it was just the weirdest thing because we were like, you're a helicopter mom. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I just got her. Like, it's just like a whole weird thing. And then my second video, people are like, I thought that literally it was just to like a couple of the people in my community. And before I knew it, you know, my neighbor is like texting me, like you put me <laughs> on a video and I'm like, oh, <laughs> a joke. oh my word. I'm a hot mess. I'm irresponsible with internet. <laughs> That's what happened. Well, I want to know more about that because I think it's so valuable to have that perspective. Not, I think it is so valuable to have that perspective because most of us will not have that like 
I don't know what the right term is for it, but like that instant mega visibility. And it's such a teeny tiny slice of who you are and all of that. Like you said, it's different than when you're actually speaking to your dreamies, like your actual, your people in your community. I know for sure, especially for a lot of my folks, like they're holding themselves back because of the fear of visibility. So you've had a couple of instances where you've been like uh, exposed to the whole wide world of the internet and I'm just curious how you deal with that. Like, what was it like out there, you know, where yeah. there's so many people? And because I don't know, I feel like a lot of people, that's the biggest fear where you're like, I'm not going to be able to handle it if people are calling me names or questioning my parenting and stuff. So I am curious about how you withstood that and how you dealt with it. Because I feel like if you can handle that, then you can handle, of course, you can, you know, do your Facebook lives to your community and share your sure. message because it's not going to be however many like millions of people who don't right, know right, you right. and there's some like professional trolls who literally just all day, every day on Facebook, just say ugly things in yeah. comments, you know? So what was that like? Well, so, I mean, I definitely didn't think I was going to go viral, you know, twice in three weeks. Like I yeah. never would have expected that. And then the other side of it is I can just tell everyone right now, you will n- almost never go viral when your hair is done, your lighting is perfect and, <laughs> and you don't have zits all over your face. So just, just be prepared that what will go viral will be you in your most ridiculous moment. And that is completely fine because the things that are viral are controversial. They are mm-hmm. conversation things. They are really hilarious or relatable. And that's okay because it means that people see a little bit of themselves in you. And Mm -hmm. that's always a good thing for your business. And when it comes to internalizing or not internalizing things that people might say, I am not going to lie, I'm human. It was definitely weird the first time to have people criticizing my parenting because I am particularly sensitive about it because I'm a very, very new mom. Mm -hmm. And I love my kids so much. And all I care about is making sure that they, I mean, they are truly my first and sole, well, my husband too, but like my sole priority, like they're all I care about. And so when I hear from like, you know, other people like, oh my gosh, like you did that the wrong way. Like the first thing you you think of is like, did I, you know, and the fact that you're an introspective person to even think about it just instantly kind of says you're not a horrible person because most people are just like, no, I'm great. You know, (laughs) like that's when you, you know, so that was the first part of it. And then I had to remind myself that, you know, if my family is okay with me and if the people closest to me who know me all the time are okay with me and I didn't do anything that I would say, man, I would do that way differently, then it's okay. You know, it's okay. If I'm proud of the work that I'm doing, then that is enough. And that's how I go live every single day. That's how I keep live streaming, you know, is just knowing that I'm proud of the work that I do. And I am genuinely trying to help people better and improve their lives and hopefully do it with some laughter too. And as long as I'm willing to do that with that intention, it's good enough. And if people aren't okay with it, that's fine. Oh, and then little side thing that you can always write down is I've never in my life met a hater that's doing better than I am. So I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs) Usually if someone's hating on you, it's because something in their life isn't all great. So, you know, you could just kind of chalk that one up as like, you know, I'm probably doing all right. (laughs) Yeah, that's a keeper. That's a keeper. And it's so, it's really, truly the minority. Again, I've not ever done any video that's gone anywhere near viral. And that's one thing that also I want to encourage people. I'm like, we're talking about subject lines or split testing or headlines for your blog. It's like, you don't need a viral post to be able to build a really great, profitable, meaningful business. But I do think that it's important to know, even on the magnified scale, I'm sure the vast majority of the comments were like supportive or people were so positive. You like, here we are, because I saw one of your viral videos that one of my buddies shared, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And I think it's just not ever really as big of a thing, not to minimize it because we are all human, like you said. So thank you for sharing that. Of course. Okay. Another question I want to talk about in one of those videos, you talked about parenting with backbone and what is it that you say? Cause I heard you say it a couple of times. Do you remember? You were just saying like I'm parenting with backbone and something, but I was like, oh, that's good because it was just basically like, you know, you have your boundaries and your girls know like this is how we do things, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't even, I don't remember what the phrase was, phrasing exactly that I used, but I know that when we parent, we parent with backbone, we're confident in our parenting because we know our children, but we're also parenting with a ton of love and consideration and humor. Mm-hmm. So that I think is the part that people may misinterpret a lot. We laugh a lot in our house. I mean, everything is pretty funny. And what people may not know if the cameras were turned, my kids make fun of me. Like I get bullied at my house. Like I will come out in an outfit and my six-year-old will look right at me and say, are you going to wear that? You know, like I mean, I get bullied at my house because no one takes me seriously. So it's just one of those things where, you know, we have a backbone. We're not, we are the parents. We are the ones who run the house. It's a little I'd say old school, maybe some people have pointed out saying it's old school, but we are involved in our kids' lives. We know what they're doing. We talk to them all the time. Our kids don't have smartphones. So that's really weird and different. I think I've, you know, based on what I've heard from them and their friends, but we don't really watch TV. And if we do, we do it together. We hang out. If everyone's home, we hang out all in the same room. So there's no like going upstairs and just hang out in your room. Like, no, we're all here. We're going to, you know, you can hang in that corner and be on your laptop, but you're still going to be where I can like, you know, be around you, you know, and we can talk to each other. And we have not even rules, but we have a way where we say, if you can ask the question, you deserve an honest answer. So like, we'll, we'll actually answer your question. And anything that we have, that's like a, like a consequence for a decision is up for negotiation because I want kids who are able to, you know, be critical thinkers and also defend, you know, what their values are and how they're developing. So if our kids say, I thought that, you know, punishment or consequence was unfair and here's why, and here's what I think is more suitable. Like if they present themselves well and they're right, then, you know, all right, we'll go with it, you know? So, and that applies to our six-year-old all the way up to our 18-year-old. So our six-year-old will come back and negotiate. I mean, as six-year-olds will do, we'll come back and negotiate and say, I appreciate what you're saying, which is what the first thing you say. I appreciate what you're saying. But what I'd like to do is take my bath first and then have a cookie. <laughs> you know? so, I mean, so we talk it out, you know, we talk it out. And I get that not everybody parents that way but it works for us. We know our kids. We're thrilled with the results. I mean, our kids are exceptional students. They are great humans. They're all very different people, but they are truly the best version of themselves. And we just, we have a standard of excellence that we aren't willing to compromise on. And we do that not just for us, but for the world at large, because these kids are going to go out there someday and be great. Well, I know you say that you haven't been momming for long, but I just, as offering a reframe from this side, because I've been, my little guy, my bigger little guy is Mm -hmm. just about the same age as your littlest. And I'm just thinking there's so much wisdom. And I really don't think that it's about like how long you've been at it. It really is quality over quantity time. And I just appreciate you sharing just those little reframes and what you just said. If you can ask the question, you deserve an honest answer. I feel like that's just a really powerful way, you know, because a lot of times when you've been with these small humans, Mm -hmm. since they were teeny tiny, totally helpless, like it's harder to see them with those eyeballs. It's like, oh, you have needs and a, whoa, you're really smart. You could actually have an opinion about this now. Right. Right. So I think it's cool about how your family came together because 
you saw them instantly as people, not just like, oh, the baby. Right. You know? It is. And it's, and it totally is different. Like with our 15 and 18 year old, like they came in and they're kind of, you know, we're established, right? There, mm-hmm. We joke all the time that, you know, I didn't get to marinate them in my belly. So like they were well cooked, you know, that <laughs> sort of thing. But our little one we've had since she had just turned three. So it's watching her now that she's six. I mean, she really does have her own opinions. Like the other day we had a whole conversation about, we were trying to teach her that she's allowed to have a favorite. So she came from a background that was food insecure. So there, so if there was something like pizza there, you kind of ate what you had because you didn't know when the next meal was going to happen. So mm-hmm. when we would say to her, what's your favorite pizza? What do you want? We're thinking about getting pepperoni. And she would say, that's fine. And we'd say, well, do you like pepperoni? And she'd say, well, sometimes it's kind of spicy. And so we'd say, okay, so would you rather get plain? And then she was like, well, no, I like pepperoni too. You know, and Mm -hmm. and so we're trying to explain to her that it's okay to have a favorite. If you preferred plain, you can also get that. You know, the same way that... Like choosing pepperoni doesn't mean that you have to give up your favorites, you know, that sort of thing. And so just trying to sort that out and watching her brain kind of process it, it reminded me of, you know, some of the decisions I have right now, like, you know, as someone who wants to build, you know, an empire, when I look at that, I say, you know, do I want to live in California or do I want to live in DC? Maybe my goal should be that I get to live in both places. Mm -hmm. Like, let me, let me branch out my thinking, you know? And so in teaching my kids to think big also, I'm realizing I have to, empower them to know what they like about themselves and then feel confident in expressing that. And and part of that is encouraging conversation, you know, and not, you know, stifling that. So that's, I mean, that's the best I think I can do. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I mess up all the time though. Like my kid had backward pants on for a week. I didn't realize that kids didn't need belts, that they have like stretchy things inside the belt loops. I almost dropped my kid in the toilet three or four times, <laughs> which was three, because like, I didn't know that they have potty seat things. I didn't know mm-hmm. that. So I'm a hot mess, you know, but functioning. So functioning, highly barely. functioning. I barely, barely. And I'm <laughs> curious about, you know, whenever she was itty bitty and you mm-hmm. were starting your business and all of that, like, how did y'all work that? You said your husband works from home too. Did he work from home as well? And then how did y'all arrange your work days? Like, how did you get your ish done when she was there? Home? Sure. Well, one of the first things I did that I think a lot of us don't consider is I integrated my kids into my stuff. So I know that that's weird. I don't know if that was just easier for me because I'm not a bio mom, but it was natural for me to, as I'm building my empire, to share the story of building my empire. So that included my children. So instead of trying to sort of pretend like my three-year-old wasn't going to march in and scream during live broadcast, if she did, I said, hey guys, sorry, my three-year-old needs something. Don't leave. I'll be right back. (laughs) Then I would come back and I'm like, no one left. You guys are amazing. Thank you." you. And I just kind of kept it all the way real because it's the truth of it. You know, it's just what it is. And I am known for being a family first entrepreneur. So I've had webinars where my six year old recently has knocked on the door and said, I just want to be in the room with you, or I just want to be close, or I just want to lay in the bed. And it's like, that's fine. You know, we're going to keep going with the webinar, but you know, you can be in here and, and everyone has to wait. That's just kind of how it goes because, you know, my kid comes first. It's just what it is, you know, and I would expect them to do the same. And that's the type of entrepreneur I would like anyone who works with me to be also, you know, and to build people who understand that. So that's how I made it work. So hours wise, it was nap time, you know, for as long as she took naps. I was terrified when I found out that naps went away. I mean, I was like, I was like, they go away. Just the other day, I found out that kids lose their baby voice. So I'm like, I'm like so sad because she still has her baby voice, but she's starting to like talk like an adult. So she'll say things like, I joked with her the other day that she, you know, we should make banana bread, but we should use our toes. And she was like, that's disgusting. But she like, 
but she was using a baby voice and I was just like oh everything about you is amazing like it's like I mean these things that I realized I just wasn't prepared to lose nap time so when I saw that was happening I was like okay got to figure out another way to do this you know and you just adapt you know and it means some late nights some days it means you know sometimes handing things off to the hubbin to figure out you know but you squeeze it in where you can get it in and it makes you a better mom in the long run because your kids they're watching and they appreciate it and they understand it and when they get older, they really do appreciate and apply that to their own life too, saying, you know, I can do all things and my mom did it. So I know I can too. Exactly. And I, one of my first episodes, I was talking about this quote from Liz Gobert's podcast, her magic lessons mm-hmm. podcast. And she had had a mother write in and whatever it was, it really stuck with me because it was something along the lines of if you model martyrdom, then you will be, you know, creating little martyrs. But if you actually, you know, model creativity, then you are sparking little creators. Absolutely. That is good. Yes, it is good. And I totally just watched it, but it's, (laughs) it's said correctly somewhere (laughs) in the third episode of Not Time Empires, but it was really inspiring because I know so many women who give themselves a really hard time for loving the work that they do and going after it and feeling like it has to be mutually exclusive, which we all do need focus time for me. I know I was so excited when we moved into this house because I had an actual office for the first time and it has doors, but the doors are windows and they're not soundproof at all. So when my little one is like toddling down the hall, knocking with his little upside down fist, I'm like, ah, you know, but sometimes we need the dedicated time and space, but either way, both and, you know, it's great for them to see and to be makers and to see that they can do whatever it is that lights them up if they so choose. And there's no harm, no foul if they don't, you know, not that we have to create little entrepreneurs necessarily, right. but it's cool for them to know and see the option. Cause man, there is so much flexibility so once you realize the power of your own money tree. In well, the- and we're also like pioneers too, because I feel like for the longest time, if you're a working mom, it was like kind of, you had to act like a dad, which meant like not having your kids around and yeah. look at how professional I am. And, you know, the kids are seen to be, in, you know, they're not even to be seen or heard, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I have to be this image of fancy pants professionalism. And it's like, you know what, like I'm not that. And it doesn't compromise the quality of what I offer. The experience is just as awesome, you know, and I am dedicated and I do great terrific, you know, stellar work. It's just that I am also a mom and that's not something I'm embarrassed about. So my kids are part of my my brand. Like, I mean, I will, you know, film us going on a vacation and we talk about birthdays and sometimes I'll ask my, actually sometimes way too often, I will ask for like tips from the moms that are part of my community where I'm like, Hey, we're planning a birthday party. And like one of the great tips I got was like, make it book themed. So you don't end up with 500 Barbie dolls and, Mm -hmm. you know, make the parents stay because they'll try to drop off their kid and bail. I mean, like they (laughs) saved my life, you know? I mean, like these are huge things. Bring extra goodie bags because they'll bring all of their children and not just the one who was invited. I mean, these it's just gold, you know? So it's just one of those things where I think it's important to just be honest about who you are because there's nothing weirder than it's like, I didn't even know you had kids. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it makes me love you so much more, you know, because I know that you get it. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And that's kids or no kids. I just feel very strongly and, Sometimes I forget that this is a novel message to a lot of people, but one of the things I said early on, because I was helping people be clear and sincere in their communication and show up as they actually are. And I said, business doesn't mean boring and professional doesn't have to mean formal. And it's like, I can be 
you know, doing a braless Facebook live with my hair that I haven't touched since I went to bed last night or whatever. And that doesn't take away from the fact that I know my stuff and that I can really mm-hmm. help people with this or that I'm sharing my experience. It doesn't take away from it at all. And we are all of it though, right? Of course we like to get dolled up and such and, and we are all of it, but I do feel for sure that like showing the life piece, that's what I love. It's kind of like I'm brainwashing people when they listen to my podcast. Cause I say, in the tagline, refreshingly honest conversations. And then when people reflect that back in a review, they're like, it's so refreshing. I'm like, I told you to say that, but really that's what we all want is the honesty. That's why, like you said, your videos went viral. It's the stuff that's just the everyday real life that people can really relate to and see a bit of themselves. And that's value all in itself. So another thing that I would, well, okay. I have a couple other things I'd love to talk to you about. One of them is because you have a really speaking is a huge part of your business model, yes. right? Yes. So I'm also curious, cause I would love to, now that we're back in the continental United States, I would love to do more speaking too. And of course that requires travel. And I'm just curious, like, how do y'all make that work? Do y'all have a routine where it's like, okay, I'm going on a trip. And when you go or you go for a couple days or how does the family network support that out piece. Yeah. Yeah. So first thing, our little one is the one who has the most issues with it. We're like best friends. Like that is my spirit child. Like we are all the way she gets me. <laughs> so we, she's in a, we're in a house full of introverts and she, we're the only extroverts. So we understand each other's vein. So it's like great because whenever I've got a speaking thing, I have to tell her like, I'll only be gone for one sleep or two sleeps, you know, so that she can know. And if it's three or over, usually she'll communicate how she feels like that's okay. Or it's not okay. Or, you know, and, and I, do that accordingly. I try to travel for a short amount of time as possible. So usually I don't do conferences or anything that'll take me away for more than three days for my family. Just kind of rule of thumb and I'll fly in early and I'll leave, you know, as early as possible so I can get back. Just because our family, we really like each other. Like we, it's not just a, I don't know, it sounds, I don't know if that's weird, but it's just, it's not only that I love them and that they're my family, but I actually, I choose to be around them because they're great. You know, I want to be, they're funny. Everyone's good looking, you know, it's pleasant. You know, so, so there's that part, you know. So because of it, I just try not to be gone often. So there's that. Then the other part of it is my husband works from home. So there's always a main parental unit that's around, which helps a lot. I also have a house manager. So I think that that is another sort of stigmatized thing that I'd love to always dispel that everybody does things themselves. One of the first things I did was hire a house manager. A house manager is like a combination nanny slash personal assistant, if you will. And you know, my house manager, you can get one for as little as eight to $11 an hour. And you don't need to have them all the time. Even if they're only coming in for four hours a day, it can change your whole day. And my, um, or, you know, twice a week even, or three weeks. So you can actually plan in advance, you know, to get your stuff done. And that's how I scaled it when I couldn't afford it when I first started. I couldn't afford someone, you know, at 40000 a year full time. So, you know, I scaled it and said, okay, a couple weeks and so on and so forth. And that person just helped me with things that I wasn't expecting, like kids need driven everywhere, you know? So I, did, I wasn't ready for that. How many hours I would lose just being in the car, picking yeah. up from sports and back and forth. And I just didn't know. So having another adult that could do that was, I mean, I just reclaimed like three hours a day. It was just ridiculous. So mm-hmm. there's that or food prep for dinner. So I, I, we sit at the table every night and we eat dinner every night. So that is, we had a, my house manager will like chop all my onions, chop all my peppers. And then I get downstairs, I'm just throwing it together, seasoning things up. And now I've made, you know, lasagna. Like it's just, it just saves me so much time. And she also does things like picking up prescriptions, making doctor's appointments. She makes my bed for me. So my bed's just not a mess. So, I mean, I still do all the 
parenting, but she just kind of is an, an extra adult, you know, with extra hands to help. And sometimes she travels with me depending on if it's like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so that the family's not up in the air, she'll travel with me to my events just to kind of get me where I need to go, you know, on time. But yeah, so I have help. And I think that that's one of the things that people look at a lot of entrepreneurs and say, I want to be like you, how are you doing it all? And it's like, no, I didn't have help in the very beginning, but I was also doing a lot less. So once I started making money, I said, it's worth investing it for me and my family and getting some help, even if it's just a couple days a week to make it possible. So that's how we make it work when I travel and I have speaking engagements. But before I do all of that, the main priority is my goal is to always be home and to not take things that coincide with holidays. Oh my gosh, this past September 29th, because this is airing soon. So September 29th is the Puffin, my tiny one's birthday. And she is turning six, which we all know is as important as your 100th birthday. Like, <laughs> like it's easily as important, if not more so. So so that was a, and I had a speaking engagement that fell on her birthday. And it was, and it was contractually booked like in advance. And it was just one of those things where I just completely forgot. I wasn't there on her first birthday. So I completely, I'm still trying to remember all the time. Permission so, slip. Permission slip, you know, like I just, you know, so I'm like, oh, September 29th, that's her birthday. Ah, and I'd already signed the contract. So they wanted me to stay for the whole weekend. It was like a three-day conference. And I said, nope, you know, like, I don't, you know, I don't know what that means in terms of contract. I have to be home for my kid's birthday, period. That's just what it is. I'm, there's no way she's going to wake up and I'm not there. And I left, I got off the stage, got on a plane and I came back home. So, I mean, you just, you do need to set your personal boundaries and goals first, then you need to get help. And then you need to grant yourself some grace because you will drop a ball and you shouldn't feel guilty about it because nobody's juggling all of them all the time. So. Amen. <laughs> I'm so glad you explained about the house manager. Cause I was going to ask you exactly that because some people yeah. we don't currently, because Jeremy's home, really, he is our, he's like the CEO right now of home, mm-hmm. which is great. But at the same time, I'm like, ultimately, I know there are other things he would love to do too. Sure. He's the resident chef. Otherwise, if it's up to me, it's like, cereal. Right. No, absolutely. (laughs) Sandwiches, breakfast for dinner. (laughs) Those are known as deployment dinners, especially. Yeah. Because it's so valuable. And I'm wondering if you, did you hire, well, one, how did you find her? And then did you hire her before you hired help in your business or how did that workout. So the first thing I hired in my business was an operations officer because I came from corporate. So I'm all about like organizational management and like structure. So the first Mm -hmm. thing I hired was a head of operations to allow me to be my talent more. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm CEO and then COO. Head of operations is the person who does everything basically like with like, you know, if they needed to hire more admins, they would manage that because I didn't want to be responsible for also managing when I needed to go live and be on stage and things like that. So the first role that I had was someone that could essentially operate the business in my absence, even if they could not create new content because I wasn't present. So that was the first role I hired period in my business because I knew that just having some of those things off of my plate would allow me to be home sufficiently and grow the business. Then once the business grew beyond that, I went ahead and hired my house manager so that I could start creating more new content to generate more revenue. And then we started hiring admins underneath that head of operations. So now my team is, they're all stateside and I have five employees and I still have some vendors that I hire for different things and like launch managers for launches, things like that. But I have five like regular full-time employees and that includes my house manager and my house manager is someone that I hired just because I knew that I wouldn't have the 
just math wise, the flexibility and the math didn't add up for me to do something that is an $8 an hour job just doesn't make sense when in, in the same hour I can make $1,500. Like it just, it just makes, it's just illogical. So, so I wish I'd done it before. I obviously waited until it was too painful before doing it. And I don't think everyone has to do that, make the space for it. And I found her just logistical things on care.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, care.com was great. And my husband's also an attorney. So he did all the background checks and we did several interviews. We did a test I think it was a test of three weeks where you're still paid, you know, and we want you to come in and we just kind of want to see how it goes, see how the kids adjust to you and all that good stuff. But it's just, it's that role is so vital that once that person leaves, it can really throw everything up in a tizzy. So it's so important that you're comfortable with the way things work and turning things over. And all we all know entrepreneurship jobs are a little bit different. So like we needed, I'm going to be here the whole time and I'm going to, but I'm not really here for you, you know, that sort of thing. So like yeah. just kind of building that relationship. But yeah, that worked. And then local community colleges, you can usually find like, you know, a college student if you just need a couple hours during the summer. Because I found out that during the summer, your kids are around the whole time in your face. And like, they're only ever pleased for like two weeks. And then after that, they're like, oh my gosh, like, I need something to do. I can't wait to get back to school. I'm bored with everything. I'm going to fight with my sisters. I just had no idea. (laughs) I had no idea. Having a house manager helps because, you know, my house manager can literally just take them out of the house for a day. Yes, summer, dang. I mean, because that's when we moved from Hawaii to Houston. And this is like, okay, my husband's coming home after being Mm -hmm. gone like all the time and being in the military for almost 13 years. And I'm like, okay, it's not always going to be like this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We were like in transition, staying with my parents while we were finishing renovations on the inside of our house. I was like, this is chaos. And we're all up in each other's faces right now. It's not always going to be like this. We will have our own things to do That's that right. we'll come together and have things to talk about because we won't have been together all day. So yeah, summer is something else. It's a different battle. <laughs> okay. I want to selfishly get into the weeds and ask you more about this head of operations thing, because I also feel sure. like this is a huge pain point for myself and so many of my friends who've been in business for a while. And it's like, okay, what do you do? So I'm curious did you hire that person as like, as an employee right off the bat? Cause I also know a lot of people, myself included, who are like afraid of the whole employee thing. And it feels like that's complicated and big and again, hashtag commitment. So what is your advice for those of us who would love to be able to pass over operations and just show up and connect and communicate and do that thing? Sure, sure. So the first thing is just from like a corporate standpoint, you're not supposed to be all the things. And if you find yourself not doing a great job at certain things, it may not be for you and that's fine. Let somebody else operate in their best self, you know, in order to help bolster your business. So my head of operations loves operations. I mean, like sending emails, queuing up systems, loading things into Twitter, you name it. It's like, oh, I'm so happy. Best day ever, which is hilarious to me because I'm like, you want me to do what? Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, like all I want to do is just like, even if just I have a podcast mic because I, you know, I'm going to start a podcast someday if I can figure out how to work this mic and I don't even want to learn how to plug it in. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's something my head of operations can do, you know, figure out all the logistics of how everything's going to go on and I'm just going to record it, send it out to you, and then you'll make sure that people get it, you know? And mm-hmm. if I keep trying to hold on to the ownership of it, this very skill set that could be profitable for me, I'm not using it, you know? So it's worth paying them, first of all. That's the big part. Then the next part is I bring them on as my head of operations is under an independent contractor agreement. So it has like a term. I actually learned from another 
just shy of a billion dollar entrepreneur who's, who's a friend and mentor of mine who runs a business with several employees, like, like hundreds of employees. And every single one of them is an independent contractor. So a lot of people don't know that, but you can actually have an entire corporation under a roof where everybody's an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. And you just sign them to contracts that may be two or three years. And that allows you to retain a lot of rights and flexibilities. And you can put into there that, you know, your salary may be 35000 a year, but you're also getting paid 5% of every single monthly profit. I mean, it allows you a lot more flexibility and you don't have to worry about certain things like healthcare, you know, issues and things of that nature. So that's how I started out because it just, it was easier, you know, than having W2 employees and worrying about all those logistics. And it's not unfamiliar because a lot of people in this space, you know, come from freelancing and they understand it. But that was the first thing I did. And it's a tough role to fill. You need to make sure that it's someone that you know, it's someone that you try out. You need to be familiar with their work. You need to be as comfortable with them. It's, it's almost like a marriage. That person has to be in it for your business as much as you are without trying to be you, which is a very hard balance to find. I think I mentioned earlier, I'm a woman of faith. You know, I prayed on it. I slept on it. I, you know, pulled everything together and made sure that the traits that I was looking for reflected some of the core attributes of my husband, you know, that mattered because my, my husband's my ultimate partner, but then also brought things to the table that were things that I actually could not do myself. Oftentimes we look for a partner because we're scared we can't do it ourselves and that's not it. I needed a partner who could actually bring attributes to the table that would help me be more well-rounded. But yeah, that was something that I always knew I would need to do because you can't possibly think that PepsiCo became PepsiCo because one person just kept doing it themselves and hiring like admins, you know, like, no, eventually they hand it off. You know, that's why companies have a senior VP of marketing and a VP of marketing and VP of external marketing and a VP of internal marketing. Like, you know, it's just all those different roles because VP of marketing on Tuesdays, right, VP of marketing <laughs> on Tuesdays, you know, cause specialization matters. And that's how you want people to be able to pay as close attention to the different aspects of your business as possible. And, you know, if I could have a VP of email marketing and a VP of digital marketing, I would, you know, cause each of those things would pay for itself, but just getting someone immediately so that you can focus on the things creatively that you want to do and do them your best is so, so important. Yes. Yeah. I love that you highlighted the importance of that trial period because I do feel like it's, it can seem so scary to where you don't even start to try to find the right person because you're like, okay, but am I really like, am I putting a ring on it after the first conversation and whatever they quote me is going to be what we go with. And it's like, no, you can give yourself permission to like both mutually give it a go and see if it's a good fit. See if you both enjoy it Mm -hmm. and then go from there as opposed to feeling like you have to commit to somebody right off the bat and it has to work or it won't forever. You know, that kind of thing. Yep. Nailed it. And the both part I think is huge. So for me, I know that I'm not the like easiest perfect person to work with ever, you know, like I, I know that about myself and I'm also really aware that things are say complicated, but this is a different type of work. You know, it's not, it's not regular. So because I know it's a different type of work, I'm very okay with, you know, sort of saying, Hey, you know, feel it out and see if this works for you. Because what I don't have time for is someone just like quitting on me. Like I I don't have room for that. You know what I mean? Like I'm just, I'm too busy. I have my kids, I have goals. So it just makes sense. You know, it just makes sense to take my time and make it happen. Right. All right. Well, I would love to just on the final note, just because this is something I'd love to talk to you with is live streaming and just talking about it. Because again, I can obviously tell for you, it's a huge part of your business. It's kind of how you got rolling right on Periscope Mm -hmm. and everything. And then I love it personally because 
as a recovering perfectionist, I love that I can't obsess over it or re-record it 50 different ways because it's like, oh, it's just happening. We're just talking. We're straight up having a conversation in real time. And I love that. And so I'm curious for those who haven't given it a go yet, what is it that makes you love live streaming basically is what I'd love to know. So the truth is laziness. Like that was my, that was my primary laziness <laughs> yeah. and I'm not tech savvy. I was blogging forever. And when I was blogging, I mean, I just hated writing blog posts, you know, and getting the photos and editing them and incorporating links. And I realized very quickly, I was more compelling on video. I would make these long videos on YouTube that would be like 14 minutes long and people would still watch them. Mm-hmm. The average view time was still like seven minutes when standard is three minutes. And I was like, oh man, people would really love my stuff if I could edit it. But then I realized everyone was making Steven Spielberg videos. Like it just felt like pyrotechnics and awesome ring lights. And I was like, I'm not cut out for this world. And live streaming came along and I was like, oh yes. Like I can get on here. I can just like say what needs to be said, send people where they need to go, offer solutions, and then just kind of go about my life, you know? And that was just, it was just a beautiful mix and it was well-timed and I love it. And now I treat it much like, you know, people would treat podcasting. You can't build a business if you're not doing something consistently to drive people to your product. If people can't pay you, if they can't find you. So no matter what, you know, this whole heavy trend towards automation, if you will, you still got to create content consistently. And it's about finding the platform that's most consistent for you. And live is just that for me. I, and I have no qualms about going live, whether it is, you know, making dinner in a bonnet or, you know, at an event about to hit the stage or in full makeup doing a, you know, proper training or lead generation to, you know, my latest course. So yeah, it's just, it just works for me. But I think it's important finding your content media thing that works for you and doing it consistently. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's the consistent piece that I've let mm-hmm. kind of throw me off. Cause I love it when I'm actually doing it, but then I'm like, Oh, I'll fall off the face of the earth for a little bit and then come back. And so what I love about the podcast, when I did the first run, I had just never actually been that consistent for like yep. three months or however many months. And I did yep. two podcasts a week and it just felt so good. Even though I wasn't actually emailing about them, <laughs> that was a different thing. Just letting my list sit there. And then people were like, Nikki, are you still there? And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing these podcasts, but it just felt so good for consistent visibility, but just value and like showing up in the world, you know, and not being a total like hermit who put myself on the sidelines. It just feels good to show up for people. And it is so humbling when you see people, it's like, oh, y'all are still there. Like this morning before I did like a live co-working session, I did a Facebook live as I was pulling up the Zoom webinar and I was barely talking about anything. And I was like, oh, y'all are still there. <laughs> yeah, still right. Watching. Hanging out. We're all doing it together, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Well, as we wrap up, I would just, is there anything else that we haven't covered, like a final piece of parting wisdom or encouragement for our listener and fellow Naptime Empire Builder that you'd like to share? Sure. So I know that we touched on it a little earlier, but the one last thing, if there's anything we that I wish someone would tell me every single day, it's to grant yourself some grace. Mm-hmm. We've got to be a little easier on ourselves while doing this process. There are enough external factors that are beating us up every single day, saying we're not good enough, saying we can't do it, you know, that we can't really afford to do it to ourselves. And it's just so important to understand that everybody started somewhere. Everyone has a bad day, whether or not they're choosing to share it live online. And eventually you'll get there as long as you're consistent and that you're doing it with the intent to make an impact. So grant yourself some grace. That's it. That's everything. Thank you so much, Nicole, for spending time with us today, for sharing your wisdom, for making us laugh. 
you are a bright light in the world. And I'm so glad that we got to connect in real time today. You're the best, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. This show may be over, but the conversation is just beginning. Head on over to naptimeempires.com slash Facebook so you can join my free... Wait, did I say free? I mean priceless, rapidly growing community of Naptime Empire Builders for deeper discussions, behind the scenes scoop, and of course, updates whenever I've got new stuff coming up for you. Naptimeempires.com slash Facebook. See you there. See you next time. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 